0: You're listening to a Two Jackets podcast. Check out more at twojackets.com.
1: Welcome to Sham Fiction, the podcast where we break the first rule of fan fiction, that you have to be a fan to write it. We're Two Jackets Productions. I'm Andrew. I'm Eric. And I'm Marcus. Here's the
0: format. Each installment, Andrew, Eric, or Marcus, will be presented with a media franchise that they are unfamiliar
2: with and challenged to write fanfiction about it. We'll start by giving the author some basics, like characters,
1: overarching plots, and those special elements that make each franchise great. The author will then take this info, throw out what they don't like, add a generous helping of creative license, and come back ready to read their masterpiece for all of us to enjoy. It's fanfiction written by non-fans. It's Sham Fiction.
2: This week's
1: author is Andrew. Hey, dudes. Duderinos. Duders. Oh, hey, buddy. Yo. I, I'm writing this week. I, I, I As the the, the the opening told everyone. So what am I going to be writing this week? Well, <laughs> I'm very excited to tell you. But before
2: I tell you, we have to give a shout out to a certain special sham fiction listener. Oh, uh, the initials being M H, and the reason we're saying this is to say we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, what? Uh, we're gonna, get, we're gonna get his favorite series as wrong as can be. he will be so <laughs> mad at He'll us. Be so mad.
1: Oh gosh, it's gonna be great. As he sure as I'm
2: the lucky number seventeen, he's gonna be furious. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so close,
2: right? Uh, <laughs> Well, Andrew, we are pitching to you a a seed for a seed. the largest literary universe that I can think of in recent years. This is none other than The Gunslinger, book Ooh. one of the Dark Tower series by Stephen King, it looks like. Is that right, image? Is it Stephen? Oh my goodness, he is cringing. Stephen King's. Oh, my goodness. Hey, we just covered that guy last week. We did. And you know uh, what? Yeah. That book's related to this book because what? this is the nexus of all of the Stephen King works. And we'll talk more about that because there's really nothing to this book. So, <laughs> so we'll talk about fun stuff. Uh, so first off, I have to say this book, The Gunslinger, came out in 1982 originally. It was revised later on to fit more within the series king added a great forward at that point in which he said this is not a good book <laughs> i went back to try to fix it and i realized if i fixed it too much it would just be rewriting the thing yeah. uh he made a lot of mistakes back then this was originally published as five short stories so the narrative doesn't flow very well it uses very obfuscating language for no reason and he points all this out he says you know this is a tough introduction to this series Because I did not tell the story straight and clean to engage the audience. I was doing all those things that a young kid did when he was trying to write The Lord of the Rings. I'm going to use all
0: my fanciest vocabulary. Exactly. And reference things that I haven't explained because
2: it makes it deep. Yes, so there are some issues with this. But as all. Dark Tower fans will tell you. This is the start of the journey, and the journey is yeah. worth taking. Everyone says the second book, The Drawing of the Three, really picks up, and what's amazing is that this series really does tie into almost every other written Stephen King work, in some way or another.
1: That, I've heard that, and that just sounds ridiculous to me. I don't know how that's possible, because I've read a couple other things that he's that he's written, and... I just don't see it. How is that possible? This is like like a post-apocalypse or something, right? Yeah,
2: if you... Well, we'll talk about that. Uh, If you dive down the rabbit hole on the Wikipedia after writing your sham fiction, which I have done, it's pretty amazing. (laughs) Like, the the unmiraculous time hole from uh, 1122 is just one of many unmiraculous time holes that are shown in this universe. Oh my goodness. Uh, one of the made up brands That's of Kong shows up in the Dark Tower series that was originally in 1122. So those are like the smallest references. But then you have things like The Stand, one of the most famous Stephen King works, yeah. where the uh, antagonist, Randall Flagg, is that his name? Flagg? Or is that the Suicide Squad guy? Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
1: Everything's blending together.
2: You know, we've been doing this show for a while, guys. Um and so, anyway, the the antagonist of The Stand is the same guy as the antagonist in the Dark Tower series. What? Wait, it, it, really? it is Randall Flagg, was correct. Uh, Whoa,
0: I didn't know this.
2: Yeah, so that's a big thing. And one of the books, they just go to Stand World, you know, Maine, And uh. Uh, <laughs> so that happens. But let, let's Always talk about main. this one, because this is the one you're writing, Please. buddy. Yes, I'd like to know. Uh, this book starts out in the most famous of Stephen King's lines, perhaps one of the best opening lines. And then it's all Ooh. downhill from there.
1: Ah. <laughs> uh,
2: so you've probably heard the opening line. Do you know it? I don't. You're saying all this and I'm like, <laughs> uh, it's not in my younger and more vulnerable years. It nope, is. Nope. I would know that one. Not. I was just trying to think of another one. That's the only one I got. Uh, it was the best of times. That's the one. It yep. was the worst Those of times. Those are the times. two. Those are the two that people know. Uh, yeah. Other than this one, which is the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Ooh. Evocative, no? And now you have yeah. the plot of the entire book. Yep. Writing it down. Everything else is just redundant. Uh-huh. Uh, so <laughs> we're joking about this mostly, but this is a very plot light book. Uh, it's it's really a road book, you know. It's not quite a road movie, although it's gonna be a movie starring <gasps> the immensely talented Indra Silva. Indra Silva and and Matthew and also, McConaughey. All right, all right, all right. Oh, thanks for joining us, Matthew.
0: I <laughs> was uh, lazy. I could do better.
2: Yeah, but you're getting paid a lot to be in this movie. That's so, true. Works out. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it's a road book, right? It's, it's rolling on the road, flying across the desert, trying to catch up with the gunslinger. Or, that's not right. Sorry, M.H., M.H., sorry. Uh, (laughs) it's, it's about, uh, the gunslinger chasing down the man in black, right? And who, this gunslinger is trying to find something called the Dark Tower. Why is he chasing the man in black? What is the Dark Tower? Why does he care? We don't know any of that. Uh, in what? this book yep. so you get to have fun with that and <laughs> he, he at one point encounters a little buddy from our world because this does not take place in our world this takes place in a weird kind of post-apocalyptic wasteland uh, that has some ties to our world but he befriends a kid who died in New York named Jake Chambers a kid who died in New York yep That is. that is an interesting prompt right there yep <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we really only have three characters we want to talk to you about. And I'll let Eric Kay. kick it off with the the titular gunslinger.
0: The gunslinger. So this guy, his name is Roland Deschain. No relation to Zoe Deschanel. I have to uh, look that up. No, I don't know how you could confuse that, but that's also true. Not related to Zoe Deschanel. I'm writing, I'm writing that down. I'm writing it down. Uh-huh.
1: Um, One second, I have to write that down. Oh
0: yeah, just take your time. Just I'm I'm letting you write it. You, you got it and yet? And we're good. We're good. Yep, we're good. Thank Failed you, it. thank you, Andrew. Uh, so this guy, he grew up in this society, and and <sighs> Mh, my God, am I sorry, buddy? Uh, because <laughs> I'm really only going off the material that they give you in this first book, which is light. Uh, he grew up in this sort of society where he was raised to be a gunslinger. Uh, he is the Ooh. son of a gunslinger himself, who was basically the leader of this sort of gunslinger society. And the whole point of like these gunslingers is that you are raised to be tough, to be brutal, to be smart, to learn. You learn like these magics. That kind of come up There's kind of this mystical cowboy thing happening
2: Yeah they're like cowboy plus It's pretty much what they are Yeah.
0: So um, and uh, It's a very patriarchal sort of society Um, They talk a lot In this this gunslinger sort of vernacular About the face of your father uh, Where you have to remember The face of your father You're basically honoring those who came before you And like I said Roland's dad Was kind of the big the, The top of the heap gunslinger um and now that he is a grown up uh he carries his father's guns these two these twin pistols these beautiful Ooh, yeah. these beautiful six shooters six shooters good good all right um at least i'm assuming they're six shooters i actually don't know the number on the barrel but anyway That's what's going on with him. Uh, And now, we don't know what happened. We know at some point his father died, which is why he carries the guns. And it might have something to do with the reason why Roland is chasing down the man in black. We don't know if he killed his father. That's like kind of something that I'm sort of rolling with when I'm reading this. I'm like, okay, is this guy behind all this? Is it a revenge story? We don't know. Uh, I'm sure Marcus knows more than I do. And MH definitely does.
2: We we know that he's ostensibly only chasing the man in black for passage to the dark tower. Alright, the dark tower is his goal. The man in black is the way he's gonna get there. Yes,
0: that's true. They, they do, oh, they do okay. mention that in the book. So he is trying to get to this dark tower for some reason. And whatever a dark tower is. Yeah, know whatever it's a just dark like- tower is. They mention a nexus, you know. We kind of start to get some flavor that it is this kind of connection between worlds. We don't know why he cares about this. So he is just trying to get to the dark tower for reasons. For reasons, yeah. Uh, and along the way, as he's trying to chase down the man in black and get to the dark tower, uh, he you know gets to towns. He meets uh, meets settlers along the way. It's a very wild west in this. There are deserts and mountains and and towns full of people who just aren't doing so well. Um, it's it feels very Dust Bowl to me. Yeah. Um, and Water's is
2: very important.
0: Yes, water is gold. You know, they're like, maybe they're out in the desert uh, living as uh, moisture farmers. Who knows? You know, maybe they got a droid that uh, speaks bocce. I don't know.
2: Well, he did it's program possible. binary
0: load lifters. That's true. Very similar to bocce in many respects. <laughs> uh, and along the way, in the middle of the desert, in like a way station in the desert, as he's, as he's chasing down the man in black, who is days and or weeks ahead of him, by the way. It's not like they're running full tilt and he sees the man it's in black. That's kind of what
1: I imagined. I'm glad that you no, made this. There's like, just I like I a just mini movie.
2: Just the gunslinger.
1: You get back here, you! Uh-huh. Uh, he stays so-
2: ahead. He can't see him. He finds his little campfires, which he's just ticked off because he can't see poop near them. Like, that's that's a big part of the book. He gets another campfire. He's like, where's this guy pooping?
0: I don't yeah. know. <laughs> that is in like the first chapter. It talks about yep. that.
1: I'm gonna write down where's, where's the poop, the poop.
0: Um, but in this like kind of way station, this old like former like homestead or something, uh, he finds Jake. Jake, and I'll let the Marcus kid that died in New York.
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll let Marcus talk about Jake. So Jake, all right, let me tell you about Jake. Jake was from New York, and he okay, died. Got that. And that's what you need to know about Jake. He, he's a good kid. Right. He was he was killed by someone dressed as a priest. Uh, shoved him in front of a bus on his way home from school and then blessed him we're assuming that that was the man in black that's what Roland thinks at least uh, although important to note now that Roland's always referred to as the gunslinger he's not referred to as Roland in the prose. Um, so then he wakes okay. up in this place which is called Midworld where the gunslinger is and it's really a bummer because he's too nice for this world he's too trusting and he's slowly losing his memories of his life Uh, And the gunslinger thinks that he was a trap laid by the man in black because he instantly loves the boy and wants to train him and keep him safe. But of course, that means terrible things are going to happen to this boy because this is written by Stephen King. Oh, yes. Uh, So, yeah, that's that's Jake. Just, you know, kid, he's smart, but he's uh, a little bit too trusting and they have this instant father son relationship. And then oh, yeah. we've got our man in black, the last character we we're going to tell you about. Uh, you know, okay. we don't know much about this guy other than he's a bad guy. He, he's, he's some sort of crazy wizard because he can do all sorts of magics, like raising the dead and telling people about the scope of the universe or traveling through dimensions. He's just kind of a crazy dude, can manipulate time, you know, all those things. He can also so we, change his
0: face. He can look oh yeah. like whoever he wants. He could be anybody. And throughout, but he's always wearing black. Not necessarily. <laughs> yeah. That is That's not a the question. giveaway. Uh, because uh, at some point, the gunslinger comes across this homesteader, this farmer who's living alone with his with his bird, and uh, he suspects. <laughs> he's like, you know, it's a possibility that this guy's actually the man in black. But I'm gonna just. Trust that it is not because I want to be able to sleep at night. Basically, could be anyone. Oh my goodness!
2: So, those are your three characters, right? That's uh, the man in black could or could not factor into your story. You're, You're more than welcome to introduce any you know, townsteaders, any uh, weird vagabonds we run across on the road. Uh, this is an open journey, and you can have any stop you'd want on it, the only thing that we'd probably request is that this is a journey after the gunslinger is taken on Jake, because that's the key dynamic of the series, uh, at least of this book. Yeah. So And, you know, the gunslinger, just remember, he's he and the man in black are referred to be, as being essentially immortal, right? So there's something more powerful than whatever, although the man in black's a real wizard. Roland only knows... He kind of knows the occult. He can he can throw a few slugs, knows to take the jawbone off of a dead demon for protection, that kind of thing.
1: Uh, oh, yeah, as you do. As you do.
2: Mm-hmm. And he's also the last gunslinger, so yes. that's important to know. Good, good point. From,
1: oh, so his society is all wiped yes, out. Yes,
2: so these mages or whatever he is, uh, he's the last one from the town of Gilead, and so there's kind of this mythic quality about Roland.
0: Oh, one of my favorite things that Roland can do is that he basically, his hands kind of work on their own. He is a perfect shot, like never misses, and he can reload in like an instant and without even thinking about it. So he's Ooh. got these two pistols and they can just, I mean, if he needs to, they can just never stop firing, never stop taking out baddies.
2: Yeah, he, he just like unleashes his hands and they, they go to work. Let them do great. their thing. Yeah. So does he never run out of ammo? You know, it kind of you know, seems like it. <laughs> yeah, it's it seems like that would be the kind of magic he could do. There's never okay. a concern about ammo mentioned in this book. Whereas there are concerns about water and food. Yeah. So let's tell you just a little bit about this world, because you're going to make up something in this world. So I want to give you a little flavor of mid-world. Uh, yeah, please. One of the most striking things that came up to me early on is he wanders into this kind of saloon-type place, and... It seems like an old-timey cowboy thing, but someone's playing Hey Jude on the piano. It's referred to as this Ooh. old song, which is an interesting deal. Old yeah, they song. mention that Hey
0: Jude a couple of times in the book, actually. Later on, too, they, they refer to Hey Jude as one of the classics, basically. Yeah,
2: So that's kind of cool. Uh, there's this really brief reference to a water pump being powered by an atomic slug, and that being an old technology... So most things don't have power, but apparently there's still some atomic slugs going around that mm-hmm. can power individual devices.
0: Oh man, the number 19 is very important and this See, is something you we probably did know knew. <laughs> yeah. So uh, and Andrew, you have probably heard about this too. The 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 land of 19. Oh, things yes, like that. Yes. The number 19 is just very important. Um and I don't really have a specific thing for that.
2: It just will pop up.
0: It has significance. Uh, yeah. Oh, there are mutants in this world. Uh, Marcus, what are the mutants?
2: So the mutants are probably because you have all these atomic slugs around. I don't know. Uh, are just animals who have kind of diverged, mutated a couple heads, more eyes or legs than they should have. Uh they they refer to them as animals who have quote lost the thread. In the onset, the gunslinger has a mule that looks like a mule and it's referred to as good threaded stock. So it's just an interesting, like the thread of evolution has been lost by these things. Hmm. Uh and then you gotta say thank you Sai, at some point. <laughs> Instead <laughs> Which of is, thank you. Hold up. Wait a yeah. second. Hold up. Yeah.
1: What did you just say?
2: Thank you. Sai. Thank yeah, you,
1: Sai. Yeah, kind
2: of like thank you, sir, but thank you, Sai. Okay. Uh-huh. That comes up a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like everybody's saying this? People say it. I say it, you say it.
1: Oh, everyone says yeah, everyone it. Everyone says yeah, it, yeah. yeah. God, you know,
0: there's something interesting because in, in this book they mention like the high speech a lot. Yeah. Uh, and I wonder, is thank you, Sai, at all related to that, Marcus? Do you have any idea?
2: You know, MH knows. I bet he does. (laughs) (laughs) I really can't remember if that is part of the high speech. High speech has interesting properties, though. Like, at one point, Roland speaks in the high speech to control a demon. Uh, So there is this kind of, that's something I love about this book, Uh, even though there are a lot of story things that don't quite work out or don't flesh out in this volume. There's this sense of a kind of deep magic to the world. Like, if you just know how to pull on the threads, you can make something happen. And everyone could have a little bit of magic. You know, it's not like in Harry Potter where everyone you're either a wizard or a muggle. This is part of the world.
1: and Okay, so it's less about you as it is about the world. The world is magical.
2: That's that's kind of the idea that you get. It's It's not overwhelming magic. It's just, you think about folklore and the kind of myths that we have in our society, where it's just... Yeah you don't behave this certain way around a succubus or you don't go through this wood after night and there are consequences. It feels like that's the kind of world that this is in.
1: Okay, very heavy folklore element, I like that.
2: Yeah, and so there will be all sorts of options for you to bring in you know, hags or whatever it is. Uh, And the important thing is that the gunslinger is just cool as all get out about it. He just just does the job. <laughs> so he's kind of unflappable, like he sees these things and just kind of rolls with it. Yeah. Yeah. He I mean he can get scared, but he just knows what to do. Oh, also, this guy gets around.
0: Oh yeah. And I mean that sexually.
2: Oh I was wondering what you meant.
0: Yep. And that leads me right to my bonus point. <laughs> I yeah, want do you have some... any
2: any questions for us, Andrew? <laughs>
1: Hey. Oh man, I got lots of questions uh <laughs> um about this, but I think they're probably it seems like they're unanswerable. Good. <laughs> so, uh let's
0: just keep going. <laughs> yep. So, my bonus point Andrew is just some casual cool uh reference to uh some conquest of the gunslingers. That's all. Maybe there can be some gratuitous details. I don't know. It would fit in with this story. Gotcha.
2: That's it. Easy. Got it. Uh, I'm going to give you a fun reference here, or fun uh, bonus points, which is to reference more Stephen King stories. Whoa. You know, I just maybe maybe the blood from the elevator just shows up, and you're like, oh gosh, there's elevator blood again. Classic. It happens <laughs> all the time. Or the clown from It. Or, I don't know, Jake Eppings. <laughs> just yeah, just shows remember, up and gives an English lesson. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, yeah, so I, I want to see as
2: many Stephen King references as you can, subtle or not. <laughs> just I, I'll point out that later in this series, Andrew, Stephen King becomes a character in the series. Uh-huh. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What is this? This is everything. <laughs> I think not only does this tie in every book that King's written, I think our world is part of this.
1: Oh my goodness, we're losing track on reality here. Yes. This is something else. <laughs> All right, guys. I don't know what I have here. <laughs> good. That's a good start. I'm looking at this, and I'm like, there's there's a gunslinger, there's a man in black, and there's a kid that died in New York. You got it. And they live in a place called Midworld. Have fun, buddy. Hey, I will. This will be nothing like what you read. Do not forget the face of your father. Oh, I wrote it down. I said remember that face. Fantastic. That face. That glorious face. All right. I'm going to go off and write. We'll see you gents in a second. Bye. Bye.
2: Hey Sham listeners, if you like the show, there are two things you can do that'll really help us out. The first is subscribe. You'll get a new episode every week in 2016 without fail. That's our pledge to you. And that'll be delivered automatically to your device. Beyond that, you can really help us out by writing a review. Let other people know what the show's about, what your experience has been. And if it's positive, all the better. If you don't feel like you can write a positive review, think about it as a writing challenge. You think you're better than us? Write a sham fiction of a good review. Make us believe that you believe in us. I know you can do it. Anyway, thanks for listening. All right, Eric. Well, Andrew's off typing about the trail. What do you think his story's <laughs> gonna be?
0: Ugh, Andrew plus the gunslinger. I just, I have no idea. There's probably gonna be blood. You know, that's always obvious. It's always um, the Andrew prediction. Yeah, I mean, for my bonus point, I had I told him that I wanted to, to see some passing reference to like uh, the gunslinger's sexual prowess. Um. So I mean, I already have sex in the uh, in the bonus points. I might as well add some guts. Uh. So if I I'll give uh, you know, I'm just gonna go blood. I'm gonna go blood. It's not about violence. It's about blood. If there's something weird or gross or cool that is happening with physical human blood, ooh, for no other reason than I just want to hear that from Andrew. He'll get, he'll get some secret bonus points.
2: A little Bloody Andrew storytelling. Yeah, gotcha. not,
0: it's not referencing anything from the gunslinger yeah. that I know of. You know, maybe he paints his face with human blood. You know, that'd be great. That'd be, that would be would make me happy in a weird way.
2: We might have to talk about that offline, but uh, we'll, we'll take is it that as weird? bonus points right now. Is, is that weird? Does that, does that kind of make do you have these thoughts often? Uh, I mean, like, only all the time. Mm. Mm, this, this podcast is taking a turn.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Well, what about you? What do you think we're going to get from Mr. Neil?
2: so I told him to give me some Stephen King references, but Andrew is a man of the film world. So I think the references that we will get from him will also include some classic cowboy films, some westerns. So if we see a little man with no name, or even more recently, like a Django, I think that's what I'm expecting from him.
0: What about, uh, what about Doc Brown? What about Doc
2: Brown with his oh, the like, best flying yeah. locomotive? Yeah, if, like, if he brings Back in the, the best Western of all time, credit. Yep. credit Fantastic. To him. Yeah, that's like super bonus points. Oh, that'd be so good. Yeah. Ah, I don't think he's ah. going to get it. I don't think he's doing it. Unless the Doctor falls out of an unremarkable time hole. <laughs> huh? Oh, this would be good. Yeah. This would we'll, be so we'll
0: follow-up to our Stephen so- King duology. Yeah. I mean, we already have uh, we already have the Stephen King on the books from last week. Yeah, might as well just continue it. Maybe it's a continuation of my story of eleven twenty two sixty three. That would make sense. He totally heard it before uh-huh, he went to write before this. Before he wrote this, so, absolutely because linear. Out. Gotcha. Cool.
2: All right, well, let's bring him in. Let's bring them back from the old dusty trail.
1: Howdy, partners. I'm back. <laughs> From the Wastelands.
0: You know, you know what's funny about this? What? is that, Andrew, you're like from South Dakota, a place Don't that you, you probably Don't you dare compare should. my home state
1: to <laughs> Wastelands, Mr. Carlson. Don't you dare.
0: I just, I expect you to be able to speak the, the howdy partners with a little more uh, authority and, and truth than you just gave us. <sighs> South but, you know. Dakota
1: is not the South, Eric. It is the southernmost Dakota. Sure. <laughs>
2: right. uh, so right. uh, where would you say the rain in Spain falls, Andrew? I'm trying to gauge if you had elocution lessons.
1: Uh, if we're talking about the same Spanish rain, then I'd say that it falls mainly on the plane. <laughs> All right. That's I don't know how got
2: rid of the accent. I see. It checks out.
0: Ah, perfect Andrew, This is uh, a My Fair Lady reference little, I like Yeah, this. little
2: known fact about Andrew Neal: He's been in no less than seven stage productions of My Fair Lady <laughs>
1: That is an absolutely unequivocal true statement <laughs> uh, And he was excellent
2: I played, of I of played
0: Eliza Doolittle <laughs> in each of them <laughs> uh, I never bothered to see any of them <laughs>
1: yeah, You don't love me
0: it's true. Uh, no, well, maybe I will if we hear
1: this story. Oh, guys! I told you know we we don't enough preamble, guys. I'm <laughs> enough with this preamble. I'm with you. Let's get right to the story. Let's stop right talking to the good stuff. Right to Perfect. the good stuff. All right, here we go. You ready for it?
2: So ready. Do it. you
1: sure? Just do it. Because you, you guys look like you could use a little bit more preamble,
2: guys. <laughs> I can't. I can't take another night in the Seven Kingdoms. Sorry.
1: <laughs> okay, here we go. This is Andrew Neal's take on Stephen King's The Gunslinger. In the early days of Jake's company with the Gunslinger, no more than three months after their meeting. The two travelers came to a place that significantly expanded Jake's understanding of what was possible in the wasteland, well more than any other before it. At the time, both of Jake's ankles were broken. Crushed, really. Hmm. Not two nights previously, he and the gunslinger had been attacked at their campsite by bandits. As the gunslinger held off a few attacking on horseback, two others quietly approached Jake on foot. One bandit grabbed Jake and held him still. The other brought down a sledgehammer on each of Jake's ankles. When the gunslinger had the last bandit courted, (laughs) he asked him why they'd done such a thing to Jake. Eatin's better when the meat's alive, the bandit replied. He'd been the one wielding the sledgehammer. The gunslinger planted bullets in the bandit's ankles and knees, and they left him to die. They rode for almost two days off their set course, across flat, empty lands, ...towards a settlement where the Gudslinger believed they'd find aid. Jake spent most of that time unconscious. His naked feet hung bruised and swollen over each side of his horse, which the Gudslinger led from atop his own. They reached into Gosha in the mid-afternoon, though they'd been able to see its wall since mid morning The settlement lied in the center of the remains of a collapsed volcano... The great mountain's sheer side still stood, except for a single, narrow crack which functioned as the entrance into the settlement. Hmm. The path through the rock wall was long and winding. Jake, who was slightly awake at the time, didn't mind this too much. He was thankful for the cool shade of the crevice path after days in the shelterless flatlands. With his mind taken off the heat, his thoughts turned to his condition. he never felt so weak before even compared to the time of his death back in New York. That had gone quickly. (laughs) Hmm. He'd wanted to tell the gunslinger how he felt, but he didn't have the strength to form the words. So he just let out a light moan. The gunslinger heard him. Not too much farther now. And he was right. But a few minutes later they trotted into the sunlight, now inside the walls of Indigocha. When Jake first laid eyes upon the settlement he didn't quite believe what he saw, thinking himself delirious from his condition. However, Jake's eyes were not fooling him. He'd just entered a truly singular place on the wasteland, literally unlike any other. The first thing Jake, and most other first-time visitors in Gosha, would notice is the color. Unlike the cracked, dusty red ground of the wastelands outside those walls, the ground inside the basin was a cool, bluish shade of violet. The Indigotian elders claimed this coloration of the soil was due to ancient berry plants, which once grew on the slopes of the mountain. After it collapsed and the plants were buried, the elders said the juice of the crushed berries seeped into the soil, coloring, and more importantly, fertilizing it. Even at the present time, the basin of Indigotia remained one of the few known places where planting was possible. Though the choice of crops was restricted by the harsh climate. The most effective and abundant crop grown by the Indigocians was known as lavender wheat, named after its unique shade. Hmm. As they entered the basin, Jake and the gunslinger were promptly greeted by a party of ten riders on horseback. The riders' appearances were as striking to Jake as his current surroundings. He first noticed their long, white hair. It reflected the harsh sunlight into his eyes. Some riders wore their hair in braids, others let it fall naturally. Their skin was a reddish-blue shade. Jake likened it to the color his skin would turn if it held its breath a really long time. (laughs) They all rode deformed horses, similar to those Jake and the Gunslinger rode. Each animal had more than four legs, or more than two eyes, but these aberrations (laughs) were offset by the brilliance of their white coats. The riders themselves wore light, flowing garments of various shades of violet. As they approached, Jake, who was now only about half-conscious, thought they were angels come to take him to the after-afterlife. <laughs> the rider at the head of the party came to a stop before the gunslinger. Roland into Shane, she said. What brings you here? Friend, the gunslinger began. How may I address you? Elder Akame, the rider replied. Elder The gunslinger said, My companion needs attention immediately. Elder Akame glanced past the gunslinger to Jake. When she saw the boy's swollen feet, she frowned and nodded. You seek the ale, she said, turning back to the gunslinger, who nodded. Jake overheard this and wondered how getting drunk would heal his feet. (laughs) If that's what it took, he thought, he'd give it a shot. Jake awoke in a warm bed in a chill room. The hay bedding below him felt scratchy against his back, but it was softer than the hard ground he'd been sleeping on lately. He propped himself up on his elbows, which sank through the hay, and, f- sank through the hay and felt the smooth, warm stone beneath. The stone surface felt like he'd been recently sitting out in the afternoon sun, which it had. Jake was still mostly in a stupor. He was hardly aware of up and down, let alone that he was in an Indigocean healing room. The heated rock and freshly cut bedding had been prepared by caregivers, one of whom was in the room with Jake as he rose. Her name was Oka, and she had, had her long white hair secured in two long braids to keep it out of her face while she worked. Easy, she said to him. You're going to be fine. She rested a hand on his shoulder. Jake turned to look at her with a weak roll of his head. He was taken by the shade of her complexion, forgetting the riders he'd seen earlier. Are you an alien? he asked. (laughs) Oka cocked her head at his question. She didn't understand what he meant, and chalked the nonsense up to his delirium. Another caregiver entered the room with a ceramic growler and a cup. Oka turned and gestured for him to approach. He handed her the cup and uncorked the growler, pouring a deep, Violet liquid into the smaller vessel As the liquid filled it A white frothy head formed at the top Once full Olka turned back to Jake And put the cup to his lips Drink, she said The scent of the cup's contents Filled Jake's nostrils He breathed it in deeply It smelled unlike anything he could think of A strange combination Of something fruity And something savory Whatever it was, it comforted him. So he drank. A young brewmaster named Yatesh led the gunslinger and elder Akame down a narrow stair and into the deepest basement of the indigo brewhouse. brew house. The air down there was cold and dry, and the only light came from a few torches on posts in the room's center. The modest space was half-moon-shaped, with casks of dark wood stacked three or four high, lining the long, curved side. Yatesh pointed to a small cask on top of the stack to their right. "'That's her?' the gunslinger asked. The young man nodded. The gunslinger approached the cask, removing his gloves. He touched his bare right hand atop the small cask and felt a warmth, but not a heat, emanating from it. The lightest of smiles appeared on his lips. "'How well did you know, Elder Jessa?' Akame asked the gunslinger. He responded without turning to her. We were lovers, he said. <laughs> I came here for the first time weakened, like my companion, only alone. She mended me back to health and showed me the magic of this place of the ale. The smile on the gunslinger's lips grew as the memories filled his mind. He continued She and I would drink the ale and make love. It's how we spent each night for many weeks. The power of the ale assisted our endurance. Not that Jessa needed it. She was a hardy woman on her own. <laughs> the gunslinger turned back to the Indigocians and saw an expression of discomfort on Yatesha's face. My apologies, the gunslinger said. Did I offend? Akame's face bore an amused smile. No, she replied. It's just that. She hesitated for a moment, suppressing a chuckle. Jessa was Yatesh's grandmother. Oh, the gunslinger said. I suppose that is a bit embarrassing then. <laughs> Yatesh held up his hands and shook his head. No, no, he said. No offense, I'll uh, just uh, fetch a cup. The gunslinger nodded to the young man. Thank you, Si. <laughs> Night had fallen when Jake woke. The sensation of waking did not feel to him as it usually did. Rather than groggy and stiff, Jake felt a looseness to his body and a lightness. A constant, yet gentle breeze seemed to be moving right through him rather than over and across him, as if he were translucent, like the sheer curtain against his apartment window back in Brooklyn. Then he felt a warmth, but not a heat, begin to build down at his feet and a soft lavender glow filled the room. Although the light surprised Jake, he did not feel afraid. He propped himself up on his elbows and peered down to the end of the bed at the source of the glow. At the time, Jake didn't fully understand what he saw there at the end of his bed, but he would soon enough. It was the spirit of a female antelope, a doe. (laughs) Jake had seen an antelope out in the wasteland, but none quite like this. Most animals in his world had, as some people he met would say, lost the thread. They had become deformed, like their horses, with extra eyes or limbs or twisted bodies. (laughs) The spirit standing before Jake wasn't like that. It was as it should be. It was perfect to him. As his caregiver Oka would say the next day, the doe spirit that appeared in Jake's room had found the thread once again. The spirits of animals lose their way in the wasteland, she said. And when the spirit decays, so does the body. The indigocean people hunt these creatures for food, and we set aside their heads for the ale. How does that work? Jake asked <laughs> eagerly. Oka smiled at his enthusiasm, and continued. We boil the head in the groundwater we harvest from beneath the brew house to make a broth. This broth holds vest- vestiges of the creature's spirit and is added during the brewing process, right before fermentation. The primary and most active ingredient in indigo ale is the wheat. I bet, Jake interjected. Oka chuckled. <laughs> yes, you're right. Lavender wheat bears a rare yeast upon its grains. During fermentation, the yeast excites and heals the spirit held in the broth. The spirit then permeates every drop of the drink. And then drinking the ale releases the, the, the healed spirit? Jake asked. Like the dough in my room last night. Yes, but not into the air, as you may be thinking Oka explained The remnant of the spirit within the ale is released into your body But it was at the foot of my bed, Jake said It licked my ankles and they began to heal I saw it, I felt it It kind of tickled, I was afraid I was going to kick it in the face (laughs) Oka laughed at this Which brought a grin to Jake's face You would not have harmed it. This is just how the spirit affects your mind. You see it in its true shape. The brewing process helped find the thread, and as it flows through you, it helps your spirit find the thread too, which heals your wounds. Jake didn't fully understand what she meant. The whole thread thing still confused him, but whatever the ale was doing was working. He'd see the dough again that night and each night over the week that followed. He would awaken to its violet glow every time and, the, and awe at the beauty of its ghostly form. Jake had seen a lot of terrible, grisly things during his time traveling the Wasteland, but this spirit and the settlement of Indigosha showed him that it was possible to find peace, even if it didn't come until the after-afterlife. Ten days after they entered Indigosha, Jake and the gunslinger rode back out to the Wasteland. They were rested, healed, and carrying two weeks' provisions, enough to safely get them to the next settlement at the edge of the flatland. Jake was in a good mood, the best since he found himself in the wasteland. He spent the first few days of their journey after Indigocha sharing details of his stay there with the gunslinger. They had spent most of their time apart while in the basin. While Jake spoke at length about Oka, the healing house, and the Indigocha ale frequently gesturing enthusiastically with his arms to illustrate his stories. The gunslinger stayed quiet, only half listening. His thoughts were elsewhere. It can't be done, Jessa had said, back in the dark, cold basement of the brew house. He had been alone with her there. The elders kindly respected his request for privacy. <laughs> so you did try, the gunslinger said, looking upon her translucent form before him. She was as beautiful as the day he left, but she was now one of the spirits, like those they brought into themselves all those years ago. The Indigotians commonly imbibed the ales of their ancestors before making love or going on hunts or eating great meals. They did so to share earthbound pleasures with those who'd passed on. Yes, Jessa replied. He's visited Indigo on several occasions. Several The gunslinger asked in surprise. Yes, but I only encountered him once. As I requested before my death, the elders gave him a cup of my ale. He is not foolish, Roland. He hides the information deep, where even spirits cannot reach. The elders have told me that other spirits have tried, but all have failed. Was he through recently? The gunslinger asked. No. I believe he caught on to what we were doing. He hasn't been seen here in a generation. The gunslinger hung his head. Another flicker of hope snuffed. Lately, regardless of the distance they traveled, he felt as if the tower were slipping farther, farther away. Then he felt her warm, but not hot, touch on his skin. Jessa seemed to lift it up, as if her fingers were flesh again. His eyes met hers. And then... Roland? The gunslinger blinked and found himself once again on his horse. The dusty red waste expanded infinitely before him. Roland, Jake said again. The gunslinger turned to the boy. What is it, kid? I asked if you got what you wanted back there. The gunslinger considered, looking back at the walls of Indigocha behind them. He thought that, if he did... Then maybe he'd see a glint of her lavender glow peek over at, peek over them. He sighed and lifted his reins. No, Jake, he said, and enough chatter. Let's pick up the pace. As their horses carried them away from Indigocia at a steady gallop, Jake frequently glanced back, glanced back to watch the walls gradually fade away from view. But the gunslinger never did. The
2: end. Whoa!
0: Nice. Never wow. Never looked back, and Never thus didn't
2: back. turn them into pillars of salt. Good we man, learned that from Guts Lot. Yep, yeah, yep, yep.
0: Yeah, do not make yeah.
1: Lot's mistake.
2: <laughs>
0: Don't do it, because they'll be turned into pillars of who knows what spice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> who knows?
2: Oh boy, that's fantastic. I, I appreciate the voice. Oh, very say much. That right off the bat. <laughs> you like that? I appreciate your cowboy voice just kind of keeping along sure, very good mm-hmm, mm-hmm. trying my well, best it, ad- it added such a good
0: pace to it too this ponderous sort of lope that the storytelling had it was so different than anything else I've heard from you Andrew
1: yeah I I was planning to read it in that style of voice so I kind of wrote it with that in mind
0: yeah. No, I think yep. it worked. Like it worked for me. It brought me through it. It it was this very storytelling style where Although you were talking about a lot of very like fantasy elements, you were presenting it in a very Western folksy way mm-hmm. that did, a, I think, a good job of bridging the gap between kind of these disparate elements that we were talking about where, you know, you have this, it's obviously styled like a Western, you have a lot of Western elements, but there's also magic. So, Mm -hmm. you know, how do you work in these different layers? And I think just by the performance using that voice, you managed to do that very well.
2: Yeah, it's very matter of fact with it, you know, in the same way that someone will tell you that the sun rising early is good for the harvest. They (laughs) were talking about magic, and I liked that a lot though uh i mean okay so i
0: liked a lot of your fantasy elements andrew um like everything you went into such great detail about the the ale you yeah. know and the and Indigocia and the the lavender wheat and all these these parts and you there was such good world building there uh but the fact that you had at the end uh the gunslinger communing with the spirit of uh, the woman he w- once had intimate relations with, <laughs> uh, really makes me wonder if they cut off her head and boiled it in the groundwater like they do the antelopes, because that's what I got out of yeah, it. Yeah, that's I what was I read disturbed. too. Disturbed. Sure. Is that is that what happened? That's Did the idea. Yeah. Yeah. I oh. didn't put it, it in the It was a sign
1: of
2: respect. Yeah. Yeah. Know.
1: It's a it's a it's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Oh that's disturbing well let's I'd... let's
2: cut off your proverbial head here Andrew, and uh <laughs> hear about your thought process sure <laughs> as as we boil boil this story into our mind grapes <laughs> 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 there go the mind
0: grapes again on, what what is that uh, so Tracy many...
2: Jordan
1: <laughs> thirty rock references
2: thirty rock references uh, love it
1: so yeah, this one um I wanted to try a lot of different things uh, with this one. The voice was part of it. I I liked the idea of writing it in that straightforward cowboy style. And I also, with the structure of it and the overall kind of, yeah, with the structure of it, I wanted to do a... a um a milieu story so an environment story where they i saw the gunslinger and jake on journey you know from point a to point b but they stopped in places along the way and this story would be them kind of entering a place and then leaving it um and so i like the opportunity to build on um world building details, as Eric uh, pointed out. So really focusing on the details of these people that they were meeting and some of the culture that they had. Um, but I also wanted to add a little bit of motivations for the characters themselves. So the gunslinger did use this opportunity um, you know to further their goal and then you know Jake had the, uh, the, the, the injury. So that they had something to kind of tie them into this world. So it wasn't just entirely just an objective looking in. It had tied them to it somewhat. So yeah, that was, uh, that was my approach and my goal with this. Excellent.
2: Yeah, so if I can get into a little criticism here, as I am wont to do. Uh, my, yeah. my first thought was that that style was a little off-putting to me because the characters didn't seem very invested in their journey. It's very, just kind of a slice of this road trip. But then I remembered, that's exactly how this book goes. (laughs) There's no mission going on in most of the book. And so I can't really fault you for that at all. Uh, And what really took over as the story went on was, as Eric said, this incredible world building. And I think the culture in indigo and the magic and the rituals, you know, that's something that, if we if you're interested after the series is done and exploring original fiction tell us a story about indigosha that doesn't involve the gunslinger you know that's that's mm-hmm. something that you could do and make your own it was clearly a very inventive idea and i just would like to see more of that world with uh maybe characters who are more invested
1: yeah and, and thank you for uh bringing that up um the idea for – another thing that I didn't mention was that one of the big ideas was the ale and, and the brewing yeah. process. And that idea came to me from a podcast that I listened to called Gastropod, which is about food. It's about the science and culture around food. And they did an episode about beer and specifically this brewery out east that brews ales with meat. They, they have sure. – they do this, this very, not the same, but a similar process to what these people do. Interesting. Except without the human part yeah. <laughs> and the spirits. Though no, I haven't tried it, so who's to say?
2: Who's to say? No, so, I, you know, I would love to see more of that. Uh, I think that was, that was great. Um, and, yeah, it was fun. You had good moments with Jake and the gunslinger. I thought you got their voice pretty well. Uh, Jake was a little bit more together in the head than I think he is in the story. <laughs> very much, yeah. Uh, but other than that, it was it was good. Um, I liked the thank you sigh, the threaded stock, the Stephen King references. My bonus points. I don't think uh, you fully hit. You kind of misread Jake in the beginning.
1: Yep, yeah. that was that was the
2: one that I was yeah. very deliberate with. Yep. And then so that that was cool, but you know it, it wasn't. Uh, a connecting thread, you know. And I was hoping with the Stephen King references that there'd be some direct tie or more uh,
1: explicit reference to the Stephen sure. King work. Sure, so like a character or a place or something like that.
2: Yeah, and so also with the uh, secret bonus points, I, I thought you might stumble into some of our favorite iconic westerns, and we would have given you super duper bonus points if Doc Brown showed up. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> so sorry, as probably get
0: a here. Yeah, I think that's just the standard standing bonus point for this show. You know, if Doc Brown shows up, ah, you <laughs> doing all right?
1: It. Yeah. I missed my opportunity back in. Uh, and I am not a serial killer. Doc yes, Brown you did. was in that.
0: <laughs> yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. This uh, you, you did so many fun things. I'm still thinking about the ghost elope, and I wonder if they had fed uh, Jake. The Jessa ale, would she have been licking his ankles? I just don't know how this magic works. <laughs> I assume. Uh, and so I'm just, my mind's a reeling from that sort of stuff. But there were some really fun text things that you did here, Andrew, that I really liked. Um, the The repeated element of, like, the warm but not hot sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, seeing that uh, described and using that same set of words from different viewpoints. So we have one from... One from uh, the gunslinger, one from Roland, one from, and then one from Jake, where they both use the same words. It it really actually gives I think credence to the magic of this ale that there is a very specific uh, thing about it. There's mm-hmm. a specific feeling yep. that uh, permeates. Uh, everyone who tastes it and we get this from different viewpoints so it kind of makes you believe it it's it really actually struck me how powerful that repeated sort of element made that Mm -hmm. so very very well done um i liked you talking about you know find the thread um i don't really understand how quote the thread is used in the gunslinger it was mentioned a bunch but i never really understood it uh, so, I doubt yours is very accurate, but I liked that you it dove into accurate. it. It was accurate. It was? It was
2: absolutely accurate. Oh,
0: Nailed it. Nice. Well, you know better than I do. Good job. I know I from re- thread,
2: Eric. Believe <laughs> you may. I get uh, so
0: my bonus points, <laughs> Andrew. I knew you were getting to it when you got there.
2: Yeah, like, I knew. How, you how did you knew know, Jess? Because you uh, you started laughing, kind of, or like I saw your face go yeah. on the monitor here. So I was yep. like, oh god! So you tripped me up there. And
0: made me yep. laugh. It, yeah. So as soon as you're like, how did you know, Jess? I'm like, oh, I know how we knew her. <laughs> And so that was good. Um, So you got my bonus points there. My secret bonus points were very generic. I just said I wanted, like, some weirdness with blood. Like a a blood ritual or just something gruesome with blood. I didn't get it. Though I can imagine that there's some blood involved when they boil the animal heads to make the ale. Uh, But, you know, it's not explicit. So you don't get the secret bonus points. That's okay. Um, So uh, scores. Yeah, I think we're at. Uh, I'll start if that's cool, Marcus. Start away. All right, great. Uh, we got a gunslinger. He slings guns. He's got two of them. I don't know if they're six shooters or eight shooters. I'm gonna guess eight shooters. So I'm gonna Whoa, say that you got lot of shooters. That, so that's 16 bullets to deal with. I think you got a solid, respectable 13 out of 16 bullets. Nice in your twin pistols.
2: I think you did a lot of really fun stuff. Thanks. Yeah. So the number nineteen is important. Yeah. So I've heard franchise. Uh, You didn't reference it, so you're gonna lose a point right there. I know. But you (laughs) know,
1: I'm looking back on it. I should have said that there were nineteen
2: riders at that one point. That was like the perfect opportunity. Would have killed me. Would have been right on. Uh, Or it could have been nineteen years since he last visited. Yep. Or Mm. there you go. They
0: just banged Jessa nineteen times. Nineteen times. That's.
2: well, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so the score is going to be out of nineteen. Uh, like you said, I said, I think the the story here is kind of more of the meandering type, but hard to fault you for that when that is the style of the source material. Uh, I liked the the world building so much that I'm gonna I'm gonna have to give you a solid sixteen out of nineteen. Um, so you're getting you're getting most of it because That's good. well done, and I'd like to see you develop into Gosha. You know? Hey. Thanks. Named after the uh, the famous Indigo League from Pokemon, I'm assuming. Um, <laughs> yep, yep. There you that go. That is the only reference to the word Indigo. Yep. Uh, that I could put together. You got it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> All right. Uh, so you should maybe read this. You know, I, I <laughs> yeah. You uh, guys seem a little hesitant about about this.
0: <laughs> you know. You know. Maybe uh, just wait for the movie that's coming out starring yeah, Idris Elba.
2: Oh yeah, improvement. Yeah. A uh, bit. And Matthew McConaughey, all our right, default all man. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> I, I, uh, I did think about
1: Idris Alba as I was writing The that's Gunslinger. Good.
2: I that's... think about him constantly, no matter what he <laughs> <you> should.
1: <laughs>
2: uh, good. He's a
1: good-looking man. Good. He's, yeah, well, he's so... going to cancel that apocalypse. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the, he is. The
2: series... Uh, is is you know the magnum opus of Stephen King so even if this first one's not the strongest it definitely picks up and has many defenders throughout so give it a shot find a yeah. book from a book place
0: yeah or just borrow it from MH I'm sure he'd be happy he's to he's probably got copies to, to spare po- exactly oh exactly. yeah uh, well awesome job Andrew thanks. this is a well good done. story fun stuff appreciate it guys you can thanks, thanks swing for my pub. gun
2: anytime no <laughs> Was that, like a,
0: was that like a Top Gun reference, sort of? It well, kind it of was,
2: but all right, all right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> just roll with it. Just roll with it, baby. All right, right guys. End.
1: You know, after all this, this has been Andrew Neal yeah. <laughs> and Andrew Neal and Andrew Neal
2: for sham Thanks for listening to my weird story, guys. See you next Thank week. You, si.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir.
0: Sham Fiction is produced by Two Jacks Productions, which is Eric Carlson, Marcus Mann, and Andrew Neal. Special thanks to Reed Reimer for providing the music. For a full list of episodes and to read this week's fiction, visit shamfiction.com. Follow us on Twitter at shamfiction, and please don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. Sham Fiction. Write what you don't know. Next week on Sham Fiction... Marcus will teach us all a spell so powerful, it pushes all other spells right out of our heads. There will be questing, a few brushes with death, and maybe we'll get to meet the disc's first tourist. So, if you've had second breakfast, pack your sapient pearwood trunk, and we'll see you here next week on Sham Fiction.